give him the, the attributes of who God truly is. So it's amazing to stop and think that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Let's turn in your Bibles this morning. We'll be in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 3 this morning. Again, as we stop and consider and think about all that is encompassed in the book of Genesis, we find a lot of beginnings, a lot of first things, if you would. We find, of course, the creation of the universe, the creation of mankind. Uh, but we also find the beginning of sin. God, I wish we could erase that, don't you? I wish we could take that part of the book out, but uh, we can't. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, understanding the consequences of what others have done and how it's been in effect uh, throughout all of humanity. But have you ever wondered uh, how we ended up where we are today? Have you ever stopped to consider what all it took and what all transpired uh, to put us in such a mess that we are today? How did we get so far away from God? How is it that most people today reject God as the creator? The Bible is his true word and never follow what he says. I'll give you the answer. It's one word. Choice. I'm thankful that God gives us a choice, aren't you? God did not create robots. He did not create us, all of us, to follow in line. And we're all, we've got to do what he says and that's what we, no, he didn't. He gave us a free will. And I'm so thankful that we have that free will because, again, it shows what it is that's important to us. How important is God to you this morning? Now, we are here this morning, and we're here to worship God, we're to exalt Him, lift Him up, and I hope that is your desire this morning, that, yes, I love God, and I want to serve Him. And again, we've been given that free will, which I am so thankful for. But uh, again, we've got to stop and think about all the choices that we make. You know, before coming here this morning, we've probably made hundreds of choices already. Stopping and thinking about all that we have done before, prior, before getting here. But ultimately... What is it that drives us and puts us or allows us to make the choices? If you were to all boil it down, you would find it's our character. Our character is what helps us make those choices. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, Once philosophy is not best expressed in words, it is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, it shapes our lives. It shapes ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our own responsibility. This morning I want to look at a very familiar passage as we look at Adam and Eve and talk about this idea of choices and consequences. Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, then it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he 
ditty this morning as we continue reading through chapter number three we'll find four things that we'll see as we look at this idea of choices and consequences choices and consequences but let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning lord again we thank you for those that are here this morning thank you for the time that we've been able to already sing your praises lord to exalt you lift you up in song and lord i, I certainly thank you for that opportunity but Lord, as we've opened up your word again this morning, we've read a small portion. I pray that you would help us stop and think about our own decisions. Think about our choices that we make. Lord, I pray that they would be pleasing to you. But Lord, if, if it's not, if it's not something that is pleasing to you, I pray that you would help us change our minds. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts this morning as only you can. Lord, if there's someone here that is not saved, who's never made that choice, to follow you, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, directing God, help us this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, before anyone gets their feathers all ruffled up uh, about what was mentioned about this title, uh, we, we all make mistakes. Understand, we've all made mistakes and, and had problems in our lives. But we've got to stop and think about, we cannot change the past. Anybody change the past? If you can, let me know. I'd like to have you do something for me. No, no, we can't change the past. So, uh, again, we've got to stop and we've got to learn and figure out what it is we're to do. What is it that we're to apply? And from this point on, continue to do what God has called us to do. To make those right decisions. This message, again, is just simply a reminder to stop and think before you decide. You know, we tell that to our kids all the time. If you would just use that thing between your ears, son, uh, you wouldn't have this problem. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that said that or had it said to me. But uh, again, it's something we've got to stop and think about as adults. You know, uh, there's more than just dead space between the ears. There's some things that we've got to stop and consider and look at and think about. And as we look at the examples we have in Scripture, hopefully that would help us, again, stop and think about what we are doing. Society today pushes the idea that, hey, uh, I have a choice. And you're right, you do have a choice. We have a choice for everything we can do. We can make a decision for all of this. What we do not have a decision in is the consequences that come with making that choice. You know, society will never talk about that. Society doesn't bring up the consequences because Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan just says, you've got a choice. Hey, you can do what you want. Hey, it's okay. But we've got to remember that there are consequences that come with our actions. When we learn about Adam and Eve here in Genesis chapter 3, we find exactly that. We see the choice and the consequence that happened in their life. First of all, let's look at the choice. As we read there in verse number 6, Adam and Eve had a choice to make. Eve could, have, Eve could have decided to listen to the serpent, or she could have listened to what God told her through her husband. Adam could have listened to his wife, or he could have listened to God. They were both directly disobedient to the command of God. And this is the first thing that we find this morning. Number one is the command. Look with me at verse number 11, if you would. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God had given a command to Adam back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, before Eve was even created. Men, think about this. God gave a command to Adam. This is what our responsibility is. Verse 16 and 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. 
or freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What was God saying here? Basically, he was saying this. Don't do it! <laughs> Bold and, I mean, it's just right there in his face. Hey, don't do it! You know, you wish God would do that to us sometimes. Hey, don't do that! Okay, I won't. I think we would stop. But instead, it doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. Again, it's that still small voice. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Pay attention. And when someone's whispering, hopefully we have a tendency to get a little closer and try to listen. That's, that's what we need to do. That's what God wants. He's using that still small voice because he wants to draw us in. Hey, get a little closer. Hey, I'm trying to talk to you. Come here. You ever do that with your kids? You know, it's one thing to yell at them, and they're like, oh, hey, come here, come here. i got to tell you something. Ooh, what is that? God's the same way. He uses a still, small voice to draw us to him. Hey, don't make that decision. Don't go down that road. You don't know what's going to be down there, but I do. And I'm trying to help you make the right choice. Again, we find here that Adam made the wrong decision. Eve made the wrong decision. You're not allowed you have a, a prohibition from eating of this fruit. Why was this command given? Why did God say thou shalt not eat of it? Because of the effects it would bring. Basically, God gave them a choice. Again, we understand that God does not create robots, as I mentioned before, that he wants us to have a free will to be able to follow him and to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit. Again, if we didn't have that choice, we wouldn't do that. It would not be a love. But thinking back to all that was created by God in the garden, back in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 9, it says that God made every tree grow, and it was pleasant in the sight and good for food. At that time of creating the garden, God named two trees. You ever notice that? He only named two trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. Adam and Eve were given a choice. They were told not to eat of one. I mean, stop and think about, they had peach trees. Man, you couldn't ask for anything better, right? So why did they choose that? Why did they want that? What was so appealing about that? I don't know. Maybe it was the problem of, it's not what I want. That, that seems to be the problem with a lot of people today, is it's not what I want. You ever gone somewhere and seen a sign that says, do not touch wet paint? <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you know you touch it, don't you? Is it really wet? That's kind of how we are. We're bucking authority because we've been told not to do something, but, but I want to. But I want to. Well, I want. I, 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 me, me, I. Again, God said, don't. Here's the tree. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. But I want to. It's an amazing thing of what the eye will do and how much trouble we get in because of the things we see. We seem to have this problem with authority versus what we want. The serpent appealed to Adam's inner desire to want to know more. Verse 5 of our text says that you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Wanting this knowledge created a desire, and every choice begins with a thought. Stop and think. Every choice we make begins with a thought. This goes to show how important it is to guard our minds. This is why I've mentioned before to, to give everything the Philippians 4.8 test. Philippians 4, 8, flip back there so you can understand what that is. It's a verse that we're familiar with, I'm sure. But Philippians chapter 4, 
Verse number 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Hey, this is what you're allowed to think on according to the Word of God. If it doesn't meet that requirement, guess what? Cast it out. Get rid of it. We don't need to allow it to take up space. Some of us have minimal space up there anyway. So we need to get rid of those things, get it out of there, because it's only going to take us down somewhere we should not and do not want to go. <clears throat> don't just allow anything and everything to come into our mind, but guard it and keep it from things that need to be there. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word heart in that verse has the idea of our emotions and our intellect. That knowledge created a desire and the desire caused Eve to look into lust after that fruit. In verse 6, it was pleasant to the eyes. Here's another problem. When we don't guard our eyes, it can push us to take action. This is why window shopping is not so innocent sometimes. Uh, again, we understand the, the retail industry knows what they're doing. They're placing things in front of us because it's wanting to draw us to, to purchase whatever it is is, is there. And, and I would admit I'm probably one of the world's worst. When I see something I like, I begin to research it. That's the knowledge aspect of it. When I look at it and I find it, I begin to lust after it. And I was like, ooh, comparing. I'm shopping. That's all. I'm, I'm just shopping. Yeah, what is it doing? It's creating a desire in my heart that may be taking me somewhere where I don't need to go because that's going to consume my thoughts and keep me to focus and thinking on that. And all the time, oh man, well, oh, I love that. Covetousness. Another thing we need to beware of. So all these things are, are causing us or directing us and yet we need to make sure we're following exactly what God wants, not what Satan desires. Satan knew what he was doing when he used this serpent. He planted a thought in Eve's mind. And that thought created a desire. And that desire became an action. And that action was simply eating the fruit. God gave a command to Adam and Eve. And that command hasn't changed for us today. It's still a choice for every person to follow God's command or not. But after that command, we find... The cause. Number two this morning is the cause as we look at verses 12 and 13 of our text. Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 12 and 13 with me. It says, And the man said, The woman thou hast gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. In our society, has become experts in making excuses, haven't we? Uh, man, it seems like we can come up with an excuse for anything. A few years ago, Reader's Digest actually came up with an article of some of the excuses that people use for not going to work. One of them was, uh, I dreamed I was fired, so I decided I didn't want to get up out of bed. <laughs> I can almost understand that one. Uh, another one was, uh, I was up all night <clears throat> arguing with God. <clears throat> and yeah, I could see where people do that as well. One was a little more creative. I said, well... <clears throat> I didn't have any money because all the pawn shops were closed. <laughs> That's, I'll give you bonus points for being creative on that one. But again, as parents, we've probably heard many excuses from our kids, and we've probably given some as well. I forgot. Um, <clears throat> no one told me. 
I didn't know. That's a good one. I didn't know. Uh, these are, are all excuses that we've heard, we've probably used. But no matter what we say, it's still simply an excuse. I understand things and situations can cause us to react in certain ways. But just like Adam and Eve, we have a choice. We simply need to take responsibility for our actions. Last year, we went through the book of Ezra on Sunday night. And we looked at a time when Ezra was confronted, uh, the, the religious leaders of the day, and, and all that had gone on in, in their time frame in their life. In Ezra chapter 10, verse number 4, it says, Arise, for this matter belongeth to thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Ezra was telling them, hey, uh, this is what you've done. We're not pushing it off on anybody else. We're not making excuses. You did it. Own up to it. But understand that we're going to be here with you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to help you. Again, he wasn't trying to coddle them in what they did and what was wrong. He was trying to point out the problem to where they could rectify and fix it. Again, your memory verse this week, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. This is the first step in overcoming any and every problem of life. Without acknowledging our sin and admitting them, you know, we will never be saved. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It begins with confession. And understanding that we are sinners, and we've got to come before a holy God, and we've got to confess that sin to Him, ask Him to forgive us and save us. Well, if I've never done anything wrong, why do I need to ask for forgiveness? That's the mentality of a lot of people today. Understanding that you have sinned against God, you've broken His commandments, His law, and we've got to go to Him and confess them, again, is exactly what we're talking about here. Taking responsibility of our actions. <clears throat> Again, without ever taking ownership of our sins, then we'll never see victory in our lives. We'll never overcome those problems. We'll never get through that situation or, or help our problems, or the sin that's in our life, whatever it may be. Because we've never owned up to it. Instead of taking responsibility for their actions, Adam and Eve decided to resort to blaming someone else. <clears throat> Adam blamed Eve. In all actuality, he was blaming God. The woman thou gavest to be with me. It's all your fault, God. You know, we may stop and think about, how dare him say that about God? But yet we do it all the time. But God, what about... But God, but, what, but, but God what... We do the same thing. We blame God and we wonder and we question him, understanding that he is a perfect and true God, Yes. Just as in Sunday school this morning in the adult class, we've been looking at the life of Joseph. Could you imagine all the things that Joseph endured and yet he never blamed God? He never questioned God. He never pointed his finger, said, Lord, why? He continually rolled through the punches in life and we find a perfect, another great example to look at, almost perfect. Of course, there's no one perfect but God. But again, he's one that we can look at and emulate. We think how terrible Adam was for blaming God. But as I said, we do it all the time. We know that God is in control of all things. And he does everything perfect and right according to his will. But yet we still question him all the time. Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. The serpent beguiled me or he deceived me. This excuse has spanned the pages of time. The devil made me do it. 
You've heard, probably heard it all. The devil never makes us do anything, by the way. We can't blame him. He didn't point a gun at Eve's head and say, you better do this. No, he just simply put a thought into her mind. What does he do with us? He can't read our minds, by the way, but he can see our reactions on how we do things. So he's going to continually put that thought in our mind and keep trying to plant that. The, the Bible says the fiery darts. He's trying to shoot those into your mind to get you to react the same way you did before. And it's amazing how we think we can get victory even though we react the same way we've always done at the same thing. Satan doesn't change his tactics, by the way. He does the same thing. He's always done it, and he's always going to be that same way, but yet we won't fight against it. We won't understand how to defeat that enemy. I will tell you from a military standpoint, that is the first thing you do. You study your enemy to figure out how to defeat him. And yet we decide, well, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm still going to lose. It doesn't work that way. But that's exactly what happened with Eve. Satan just simply put that thought in, his, in her mind. James chapter 1 and verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We are all drawn away of our own lust, and that's what catches us and trips us up. We need to stop blaming others for our mistakes, our sins, our problems in life, and starting getting things right. But could you imagine what it would have been like if Adam and Eve obeyed God and never took of the tree of knowledge? What was so appealing about that one tree that caused them to partake? Just some food for thought. But stop and think about your life. Could you imagine where you would be right now if you made better decisions? That's the choices aspect of it. What's the consequences? Well, as we reflect on Scripture... We can recall some things we've looked at before. The law of the harvest is a very important one. We find in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, uh, that, that law goes all across the board. There's nothing we can do to get out of it. There's no way we can get around it. Uh, we are not exempt, by the way. We fall into that same law of the harvest, just as God has placed that in his word for us to understand that the things we do, we're going to have to reap that reward or that benefit or that consequence, whatever it may be. Adam and Eve went against the command of God and blamed others for their cause. And this brought God's consequences in the form of a curse. So number three this morning is the curse. In verses 14 through 19, we find multiple curses that God placed on each one involved in this account. Notice, it was not just for one specific person. There was a variety of curses that was given. First of all, we find that the serpent was cursed. Look at verse number 14 with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 14. The Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art Above, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. When we look at this event, we often picture a snake slithering up to Adam and Eve and offering them an apple, right? That's kind of how everyone has predicted it or whatever. Uh, by the way, that's all wrong. The serpent here was not a, a snake. Why would it be a curse for him to crawl upon his belly and breathe the dust of the earth if he was already doing it? That's not the idea. And, of course, we understand the, the apple is, is not the forbidden fruit. Um, 
But uh, again, we kind of perceive things in our own ways and think this is what has happened. This is the way it is. But this curse was a punishment for all that had been transpired. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible compares the serpent to the beast of the field. And here, verse number 14, he's cursed above the cattle and every beast of the field. So that would make us maybe to consider, many people talk and think about, that he was a four-footed animal of some type. It was not something that slithered on the ground. He was something, uh, again, that was common. Notice Eve didn't say, you're talking to me. No, she just had a conversation. It was no different. It was nothing big going on. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hungry, hungry hippo or whatever you are. Four-footed beast, again, the same of the cattle of the air. Again, it's just a comparison that we find and get a better understanding. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, so what exactly was he before he was cursed? And we'll understand that. We'll know that. But again, a lot of times we kind of perceive the way the world wants to talk about it, but it was not a snake. It was not until after that the curse came on that he was to slither on the ground and eat the dust of the earth. But the next curse we find is in verse number 15, and that curse is given to Satan. Look at verse number 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and thou shalt bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. As we examine this first, we find the first prophetic verse of Scripture mentioned in the Bible. As we know, the reproductive seed is not found in the woman. Correct? We all understand that? That's found in the man. The woman has the egg, right? So this shows us the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the first time that we find prophecy being predicted and what is to come. This is what God had already prepared from the very beginning of time that he was going to send his son to die for our sins. What a wonderful verse. Yes, it's addressed and looking at the, the curse given to Satan. But man, I look at that thing. Wow. I'm so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ came and died for my sins. And God knew back then, to establish a plan to be put into place. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 say, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, understand that, made of a woman, virgin birth, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, salvation given to us because of what Jesus Christ has done. This salvation is is what is offered to all of mankind. Anyone that would confess their sins and accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior will be adopted into the family and be joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to be redeemed. That Jesus again paid our price. But that blow to the head is a fatal blow. Again, understanding that that is what is... That's what Satan's future has. He will be cast into the lake of fire at the very end of time as we understand and know. And that will be his death blow. That is crushing his head. The bruised heel mentioned here is a picture of the suffering Christ will have to endure while he is on this earth to give us and bring us salvation. It didn't kill him. Did it hurt him? Yes. But it didn't kill him. So again, that's why it's a blow to the heel. So again, that verse, uh, you take time, you can analyze that. There's more things we could draw out of that verse. Uh, it's a wonderful verse of Scripture to look at and to analyze. So if you want to study, study verse 15. I highly recommend that. But also next we find in verse 16, the curse given to the woman. Look at verse 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow. And thou shalt bring forth children 
and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The word conception that's used here is the word that we take into account is the pregnancy. Now, again, I, I don't have a lot of experience in this area, so I have to take some people's words for it. But apparently, while you're pregnant, there's some problems. You have some issues. There's, there's uh, uh, the, 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 the hunger issues that you can't figure out what to eat. Well, that was my problem. No, uh, but some people have problems with what to eat while they're pregnant. There are some nausea. There's some pain, emotional and physical stress that's placed on the body and all these different things. Uh, and again, we understand childbirth brings about a lot of pain. And uh, again, I was only from the outside looking in, but it looked painful. And uh, we'll just take my, word, uh, my wife's word for it. So there's some pain that is involved. Again, it's predicted there and understanding that. But understand the mercy that God gives during this curse. Yes, there is sorrow and pain, but through that trial of childbirth comes a precious life. Also, think about the difficulties our children endure. Oftentimes, when you look at it, it's the mother that uh, grieves more of the pain, that takes more of that, that problems when the kids are going through problems in their life. That's the multiplied sorrow. That they have to endure. Not only is their pain part of this curse. But also to see that the husband will be the authority over the wife. Now I know society today says that uh, that's sexist that you had even mentioned that. But again, thus saith the Lord. That's what the Bible says. That's the consequence of a poor decision. Famous commentary writer Matthew Henry said this. We have here the sentence passed upon the woman for her sin. Two things she is condemned for. A state of sorrow and a state of subjection. Proper punishment of a sin in which she had gratified her pleasure and her pride. This leads us to the final curse. And that curse is given to men. As we look at verses 17 through 19. The Bible says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistle shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. <clears throat> and in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, thou, till thou return unto the ground. For out of, out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and out of dust shalt thou return. And looking at these verses, we see that there's more than just one thing that is cursed, more than just the man. There's also the sorrow of the ground. The ground is cursed with thorns and thistle. Now that's something many of you know about looking out in the fields during certain times of the year. I remember when we lived out in Fontana, there was these pretty little purple bulbs that would pop up and we were told, get rid of those things. The thistles, again, would just overwhelm uh, lands where people are at, things like that. So uh, again, we understand that. Could you imagine having a garden that didn't have any weeds in it? Some of you have gardens this morning that uh, uh, fight the weeds. Can you imagine how, how beautiful and lush the, the produce would be if somebody would simply uh, just look at it and not have to worry about those things? But again, it's part of the curse of the ground. I would stop and think about my lawn and how beautiful it would be without uh, dandelions, crabgrass, nutsedge, and all those things that just um, make it look nasty. You know, I want, the, I want the plush green lawn. I want, I want the fairway, the greens, like, like it does on a golf course, but... 
That's not the case because we've got to understand that the, the curse came to the ground as well. Not only that, but there was the, the man's curse affected the soil of the ground and it affected the sweat of his face. You ever really sweat in your face? You know, there are times that you may wipe your brow a little bit or your head, some of you. I won't mention names. And you understand that's, that, yeah, I'm, I'm a little hot, I'm a little sweaty. But when you sweat in your face, when your cheeks are, 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 are pouring sweat, things like that, that's a whole different kind of sweat. That's a, that's a lot of work right there. That's a lot of hard work. Well, that's a curse given to us by God because what happened here. We are to provide for our families. We are to work by the sweat of our face. It says that we're going to have to do everything we can to provide for our families until we leave this earth. Again, we understand that a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel, the Bible says. So, again, we are commanded to work because that is part of the curse. Each one of these curses came about because of a poor choice by Adam and Eve. Because it was not all when it comes to the consequences of their actions. There's more to it than just dealing with self. We see finally this morning, number four, is the covering. The covering, look with me at verse 21. Unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So now we find even more people are affected because of their decisions that they made. Yes, we see the ground is cursed. We see this, the, the serpent is cursed. Satan is cursed. But now we find something even more dramatic, if you would. Up until this point, they had not seen death. Nothing had died. Nothing had been killed. But now God had to sacrifice an animal to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. Again, a physical covering was brought because of death. God had to sacrifice that animal, providing that covering, that garment for them to wear. This means blood had to be shed. This is a picture of the Old Testament sacrifice. But it's also a picture of what is to come with our Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus had to sacrifice to provide a covering, a payment for our sin because of the death of all of mankind. And because of that sin, there, there is a separation between us and God. And through that sacrifice, the Lord Jesus has offered a way to be reconciled to God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, And almost all things were by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. So we find all the way back in the very beginning in Genesis that God provided a covering. He provided a sacrifice. He spilt the blood to provide for our sins, to cover them and to show what the Lord Jesus Christ would do for us. But as we understand, as Jesus died on that cross and he was buried and he rose again on that third and glorious day, he took his perfect blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven for an eternal atonement for our sins. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I don't have to worry about offering myself for my sacrifice, that Jesus has done it for me if I would simply accept it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The perfect sacrifice offered on the cross for me, for you. And all we have to do is accept that free gift and not have to worry about those consequences anymore. 
This brings us to a point where we must make a conscious decision. Am I going to make a choice to please the Savior? Or is it all about pleasing self? That's what Joshua put forth. Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. We've got a decision today. Who are you going to serve? What choices will you make in recognizing what Jesus has done for us? So, with our choices, we can have consequences. Something we've got to consider. I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we take time to think about all that's going on, all that sacrifice has been offered.